Hey, Ducks fans, this is Patrick and Jason bringing you episode three of the Pucks with Feather podcast. What's happening, dude? Hey, you remembered me this time. That's nice. Yay. <laughs> I remembered finally by something. I just thought that you, we always just think that you're always there. So I just yeah. was like, he's always here. I don't have to introduce yeah. him. There. Got mixed yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll just annoy myself into any conversation at some point. So oh, <laughs> just wait long enough. Well, we got to experience um, last week Randy Carlisle being fired. So now in, uh, in, in comes in the, the reign of uh, the Supreme Overlord. Supreme Overlord, yes. Bob Murray, <laughs> who's uh, executive vice president, general manager, and head coach of your Anaheim mm-hmm. Ducks. And he's had a three-game stint. Yeah. Wait, 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 what's that acronym? Because I love that that long acronym title. Is it? That. Or the? Oh yeah, his. The, it's it's, it's uh, like VPGMHCBM. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you can even put E in front of the VP because he's executive vice president. Ah, oh, that's right. Even do <laughs> EVPGMHCBM. Yeah, that's that's who Bob Murray is nowadays. So, yeah, or you can put an I in front of head coach, an interim head coach. Oh, interim, you can even and add the other. Yeah, we're, we're back to an even number. So yeah, no, I don't know. I know how you are with the with symmetry, everything being equal. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, my uh, OCD kicking in. Well, he's got a, he had a three game stint so far. He's got uh, a win against Vancouver, a loss against yep. Boston, and then a win against the Capitals on Sunday night. Um. What are your overall, before we jump into any sort of numbers or any kind of BS, it's a short sample size, but like, what is your overall yeah. feeling on, on how the team has played under him? What are the, like some of the biggest differences you've seen? Um, the, the personnel has uh, definitely been interesting um, for sure. He's, he's kind of gone to what I've been waiting for. And I feel like a lot of people who watch the Ducks have been waiting for is that uh, Lynn Holm Manson lineup. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is just waiting for it. Me, me, but, me. Yeah, so, I mean, just that alone and let that try and blossom like it hasn't ever been given a chance to breathe this season uh, has been a real nice one. Uh, he's, he's gotten to work with, you know, different goalies. I mean, Ryan Miller comes back in the fold, Boyle's out there, he plays two games. So, I mean, uh, he doesn't have the same goalies uh, that uh, we've seen through, you know, most of this season. And then, you know, he's he's not afraid to interject, you know, the young kids back into the lineup where I thought we'd probably see him down in, in the, at the goals. But Terry and Max Jones are getting a chance. He's sat sprung. I mean, so he's moved guys in and out. And he said that's something he would do is hold players accountable. And so he's he's looking at what he's getting out of them. And he's either trying to look for better evaluation or say, hey, do a better job or you're not going to play because I don't want you wasting my time. So personnel has been probably the biggest thing for me. And the biggest thing for me is he's ruining the tank. <laughs> yeah, <I> do. <laughs> he's done what Ray Ray... spin on anything. <laughs> he's you're right. He's done uh, what Randy Carlisle did, uh, which took two months in, th- yeah. in in three games. Took yeah. Carlisle two months to win two games. That's right. Takes, yeah. takes Bob Murray three games <laughs> three to games. win two games. So he's yeah. easily flipping the script here, <laughs> giving people this, this this false hope that they're going to come in and, and be gangbusters in the playoffs and. You, don't ruin the tank, Bobby. You, 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 don't ruin the tank. We're so yeah, close. We what do we see where someone said they can't, they can't even tank properly now? <laughs> <laughs> they keep screwing everything up. It's like we finally have accepted it, and you know we're kind of looking forward to it, and then, then they take that away from us too. Yeah, this team, Jason, was a like, really impressive, honestly, over the last three games. Yeah. And not impressive if you're going to compare them to like the upper echelon of the league, but impressive to the Ducks prior. 
three games. Yeah. And I know it wasn't against, you know, I mean, well, Boston's a good team, and you figure the Capitals should be coming to play. But I guess Vancouver, you could kind of look at and be like, ah, whatever. And we all know Kevin Boyle kind of won that game for the Ducks. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they weren't flying out of the gate against the Vancouver game. Uh, Boston, they, they couldn't get any goals. All of a sudden, it was like, all right, we only got one goal in two games. This is kind of eerily similar. But they had jump in their step. And so, yeah, when you compare it to the other team, even though at least through the first two games, there wasn't necessarily a, a, a big difference on the scoreboard. But the eye test was way better. And I think a lot of the underlying numbers were probably a little bit better. They, they seemed to kind of find a rhythm and they really kind of brought it together in that Washington game. And that's where you kind of saw them finally get rewarded for some of those closer chances that they were missing before. But it was, it was fun to watch that team. That was a team I'd like to watch. Well, yeah, the, the underlying numbers five on five, what they did is they progressively got better like from the first game against Vancouver. Uh, the scoring chances were in favor of the Canucks for the majority of that game. The Canucks were yeah. kind of all over Anaheim most yes. of that game. And then you go on to Boston, and the Ducks even things out, even slightly took an advantage against Boston. They just couldn't buy a goal against Boston. And then you go against the Caps, and I was I was talking with a Kings fan today, and it was just like, that was the first game where I, like th- this team that I'd seen in a long time I, I pretty much dominated. Like mm-hmm. I felt at times, not the whole game, but dominated yeah. for the majority of the game. They really took it to the Capitals, and that's that's a big deal because the, the Capitals have weapons everywhere. You could say maybe they're you know they're they're going through some sort of a slow period in the season, which you know every team kind of does. But I, I was really impressed with the way the Ducks turned things around the last three games. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, it was a slow progression. I think that's kind of what happens when the voice changes a little bit. I know it's a cliche thing to say, uh, but it's a little bit different when you have a coach and you have a general manager behind you, uh, you know, checking you out and making sure you're doing everything right. And I think, you know, just getting the right. Yeah, right. Right. Not so undercover. Uh, And but it was, you know, the the changes they made. It, you know, as far as personnel, there was a little bit more chemistry. Uh, Corey Perry is now a few more days, you know, underneath him. He's gotten better uh, as it's gone along. Fowler finally started to have a good game. I mean, the defense started to come back. And when the defense wasn't there and it was that god-awful, it was just the, the life was sucked out of the team. So now the defense, in my opinion, is playing better. And the forwards are are got to jump in their step. They're they're getting chances, and now at least in that last game, they're finally scoring some goals. So it's trending in the right way, and I I think it'll it might continue. I don't know. I've, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic as mm-hmm. I usually am when it comes to the Ducks. So the Vancouver game, if you go period or not period by period, and do that, but just overall, they were they were outchanced twenty four to fourteen, right? And then you go yep. to Boston, and then they outchanced Boston twenty two to twenty. And then you go to to the uh, the Caps game. This is all five on five. They outchanced them thirty two to twenty two, so yeah. just progressively got better. And it's impressive. And I think a lot of what what you just said it makes a lot of difference. I I, I want to point to um, Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson being being paired back together again. Like the, the, that was the golden goose for the Ducks, right? That was the that was the line on D that you could always count on to come out and shut down the opposing team and play well. And they've played outstanding since they've been put back together. And it's, I get it, anyone who's listening here, it's a short sample size. But they've played outstanding in my opinion. I think they've played really, really well. They've, like every other 
uh, defensive uh, tandem out there um, in the last three games. They've all played better, in my opinion. Uh, Lindholm is one of those guys. It doesn't matter who you, you kind of play with. He will be a good defenseman, and he generally makes the players that play with him better. The problem is, is that when Manson is gone uh, and not with him, Manson flounders horrifically. Yeah, his numbers and aren't so, so good away from him. They they are not good, and it's kind of one of those odd things where Lindholm and Manson, for whatever reason, they click and they read each other, and that's the chemistry and the, the not having to think so much that kind of helps uh, not only for the eye test, but the, the whole team. They just they, they don't have to think about what the other person's doing, and it just clicks. And it's a weird thing to kind of do, you know, to to put into to numbers, but it just works. And you separate that, you know, for fifty odd games, and you look at how how much worse they were eye test and stat wise. Yeah, I mean, just for the just you stat nerds, if you're anything like me, Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson in the last three games, extremely short. Um, span of of uh, of statistical less than a week. Yeah, pull I'm grabbing here, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Three games is is very 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 tiny, but 47 minutes, 19 seconds, five on five. They controlled 57 percent of the shot share. They controlled, um, excuse me, they they controlled almost 70 percent of the scoring chances when they were on the ice. They outchanced the opposition 27 to 12. The high danger chances they outchanced the opposition thirteen and only rel- only uh, relenting five then the other way towards their goaltenders. That's excellent in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Hampus Lindholm or, or Josh Mance without Hampus Lindholm, and it's like that he controlled Oof. his line is <laughs> very small, five minutes. Yeah. So it just they yeah. go down a bit. But yeah. uh, if you want to take a look at like a broader spectrum of on how these players were looking prior, I mean Hampus was more middling. They were in the high forties, low like low fifty with Montour. And Manson was, was was consistently below fifty all season. Whether he was paired, um, I mean, you name it, he's with anybody else. Whether yeah. it was whether it was Mostly Fowler, Fowler, yeah, or Larson when Fowler was out and he was with Jacob Larson. Yeah. So I, I like seeing this pairing come back. They they've definitely been strong prior in, in prior seasons, and for whatever reason, Randy Carlisle decided not to make that change until. He was fired, and then Bob Murray's like, <laughs> yeah. "I'll take yeah, it." Like days before, as I, was like, all right, I'll give it a shot, but I'm not, I'm not loving it, and I'm not sticking with it. So <laughs> it's just so odd. But I, yeah, I'm glad I to know. see, I'm glad to see this pairing come back together, and I hope that means good things for the Ducks because they need that. They you need a, a significant defensive pairing in today's NHL. You can't just have one okay guy and then a couple of floaters. You have to have a strong defense. Um, yeah, and I don't like hating Josh Manson. It wasn't a good feeling. I like him. I want mm-hmm. him to do well. I want the Ducks to do well. So when he wasn't playing with them, and I just look and I go, God, he's he's god awful. Uh, but you know, when he plays with Lindholm, it just works for whatever reason. So and it works as the best uh, best chancing uh, defense out of everyone. I mean, they got I caught what one time last last night, which is pretty egregious. Hampus yeah. was very aggressive on the forecheck for whatever reason, and Manson's like, I'm going to try to keep the puck in. And yeah. yeah <laughs> and they gave him a the breakaway to Ovi. As a second yeah. period uh, <laughs> uh, brain fart again. At least Ovechkin wasn't out there and got a breakaway. Oh, oops. Thanks, <laughs> oops. Miller. <laughs> oops. oops. Yeah, exactly. They just wanted Miller to have, uh, have his moment. So Murray comes in, makes that change, and then you had yeah. mentioned, too, that he brings up the kids, and, that, and that's very important. He brings up, you know, basically – Two of the most NHL-ready players uh, for the Ducks in the forward position. I, mean, I know a lot of people have uh, questions or excitement about Sam Steele because he had uh, really good numbers in the WHL prior. Uh, his numbers kind of took a dip after that season, and he's kind of shown flashes of being able to keep up with with, uh, with the guys in the NHL. But 
he clearly needs more seasoning. Now we look at guys like Troy Terry um, and guys like Max Jones. I just, I don't know, man. They're ready. I think they need to be in this lineup as soon as possible next season. Yeah, key word there is next season because uh, putting them in now may actually help the Ducks, uh, which is kind of what we want. But at the same time, uh... it, 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 are you really willing to, to really uh, get a much worse draft pick and their prospects if they even get into the playoffs as far as the Ducks prospects and the teams they have to play? They're they're not in good shape. they got San Jose uh, or they're going to play against Vegas. Um you know, it depends. I guess if they do a wild card, they could play Nashville or Winnipeg. I don't know <laughs> how how much better they do against any of those teams, or it's Calgary, some, something in there. Um, so it's it's not really good if they get in because I just can't see them being better than those teams. So at this point, you almost maybe just let those kids go back down once everyone's healthy and you know they got their chance, they've made their statement. But, I mean, if they're looking to win now and continue on, then I'm sure that uh, the best way to do that is keep those guys up there because they are NHL ready and they're quick and fast, something this team desperately needs, especially since Kosh is out for the rest of the season. Such a good look uh, for them being paired together, too. I think that's excellent. Yeah. And, and they were paired with, with Adam Henrique uh, last night, right? I know that yep. Henrique actually had a three-point night, and I don't think any of them came at the hands of Troy Terry or Max Jones. <laughs> I think Jacob Silverberg was a facilitator in those goals against the Caps. Yeah, yeah, it was the, the Montour goal, uh, Montour shot that Henrique deflected. And then um, uh, the, the other one was the power play, I think, where, where he, he, he poked he, it he, in. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Got in there and I uh, was able to hit one past uh, on a rebound for um, Hulk East. So the kids, I think they, they think it's time they stay up. But like you said, I mean, I mean, I, I would be okay with it if, if, if they just if, if they if, when Chad Johnson comes off the IR and we'll get to goaltending here because goaltending all of a sudden has become a mess in Anaheim. Um, <laughs> but if Chad Johnson comes off the IR and they're like, "Hey, you're just gonna play the rest of the way," then bring the kids up because I think that Chad's gonna be a big enough sieve to uh, to let in enough goals for the Ducks to continue to lose. And well, then, they got uh, Miller now. Miller Miller would be their guy. Oh, we'll Ch- talk about Chad Johnson. We'll talk about. Yeah. Miller. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me to jump the gun on you. <laughs> no, I just I want I want to see the kids come up and play, but like you said, I think it's probably best for them to go back into the AHL, continue on that team that's got a chance to go in and make some noise in the playoffs and see what they can do, probably in their final season, and then before they jump up to the NHL. I mean, Troy Terry's coming up; he has to. Uh, he's much older, and then you look at Jones. I just think he, he that style of play in the NHL. I didn't know he possessed that kind of speed. For yeah. being a big guy, for him, he's moving around. He was flying through the neutral zone, going into the forecheck, nice, nice and hard against uh, some big defenders, and, and we're outworking them along the boards of the puck. I'm just very impressed with both he and Terry. So yeah, I, hopefully um, we see yeah, more of that. I, I was, um, I mean, going all the way back to the the um, you know training camp, I was always impressed more with Troy Terry than I was Sam Steele. Everyone was talking about how Sam Steele's that that the next guy to come up. I mean, he's got to be. And I was more impressed with the way Troy Terry was in that. He didn't really show it in his first few games in Anaheim. He said later that he was just really worried, you know, about being sent down. Then got sent down and said it was the best thing that ever happened to him. And he got all his touch back. He was killing it, a point streak for, you know, weeks on end. And then came back and was a completely different player. So it's been fun to watch him. Max Jones, we did an interview with him earlier in the season. And that's kind of what he said. He says, you know, he's, he's that kind of get in he kind of compared himself I, I believed a little bit to like a, a Ryan Kessler type but with speed 
Um, so he, he knows that he's a little bit faster and he has to be in this NHL, uh, but he's not afraid to go to the, the net. He's not afraid to mix it up with people and he's got finishing touch. We'll see at some point it's, uh, hasn't quite happened yet, but he's been so close on so many chances. It's kind of just a matter of time. So those are two guys you'd love to have on your team if you would really competing for a championship. But, uh, I, I don't think the ducks are, are at that point. I hope they prove me wrong, but. Yeah, and before before we get done talking about uh, the kids on the team, you, 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 we mentioned Daniel Sprong a little bit being taken in and out of the lineup. How do you feel about that? He he missed, I think, almost all of the third period. He only played eight minutes and change against Boston, and then there was benched, healthy scratched against the Capitals. And he's a faster player. He's a shot generator. So curious move there by Bob Murray. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's that's one of the the you know without knowing exactly what Bob Murray was looking at or what he thought should have been happening. Um, you know, it was kind of something too, where Sprong wasn't really being utilized under Randy Carlisle either. And it kind of became from what we heard is more of a, he needs to work on some defensive aspects of his game um, and be a little bit more reliable on that end of the puck. Not that his offense really couldn't do anything, but we were still screaming like, who cares? He's putting in the puck. Just put him in there. I don't care if he's not that great. No one was great on defense, but I think that they're trying to change the way that they're playing a little bit to get better at defense. And I don't know if that's maybe a reason why they decided to kind of healthy scratch them. I don't know their conversations or what Bob Murray has in store, but I mean, Bob Murray has made it pretty clear. He's, he wants the team they are, at least he wants individual players to play a certain way. And, you know, he's he's going to talk to them in practices and kind of explain that this is where I think you should be doing. This is what I want to see out of you. Go out and do it. Now, he's not there. He's a super coach. He kind of leaves that to the uh, other two assistant coaches. But I think he probably wanted Sprong to play a certain way, didn't see enough of that through Boston, and benched him in the end and didn't let him play the next game. I, I doubt he'll stay off, out of the lineup too long. I'm sure he'll be back. He does have offensive upside. Um, but when you sit him and then we win 5-2, um, it's, uh, you might look at it and go, well, well Doesn't really yeah, help your cause miss. at that <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, I know, right? They didn't really miss him that much because uh, they exploded on that one. So He's a good young player, and that and that sparked some BS on Twitter where they were like, oh, he's a bust. We should have ever traded Marcus Pedersen to Pittsburgh. Pedersen now has more points with Pittsburgh than Sprong has with Anaheim. Like, okay, fine. So he does. But it doesn't mean that Daniel Sprong's a useless player. you got to remember, Pedersen left the team. Where he wasn't getting opportunities, I don't know, with guys with like Sidney Crosby, Phil Kessel, Evgeny Malkin. <laughs> Sorry, there's yeah. a there's a bit of a difference when it comes to playmaking ability on a team like Pittsburgh than it does with a team like Anaheim. And Pedersen wasn't playing up on, you know, he wasn't playing first line D. He wasn't getting looks with Ryan Getzloff. Let's just be yeah. honest about that. So different looks for different positions on different teams. That's, that's a tough comparison. You got to compare a forward and a defenseman, first of all. And then second of all, the types of minutes they're getting. So I didn't really appreciate that, those comments about Daniel Sprung. I think he's a great he's a great young player. He's not Maybe he's not going to be a 30-goal guy when, when, he's, uh, when he picks up the next couple of seasons in his NHL career. But he's young. And the Ducks do very, very well at uh, at helping out young guys develop into good players. So we'll see where he goes from here. But this might just be a blip. Maybe it's time for him to watch some hockey and see what happens. 
Yeah, and that happens with young players. And this guy had no goals. It wasn't getting very many looks at all with Pittsburgh. They kind of given up on him. I thought it was a good trade for both teams. Pedersen Room was never going to crack the top four and was struggling really in the bottom, uh, the bottom two for us. So other than that, I was willing to let him go, considering that we should have some guys that are going to make a little bit bigger movement uh, up our lineup. And you know, talking about Larson and Mahura. I mean, these guys are guys that should probably start cracking the lineup. Pedersen, in my opinion, probably dropped on the depth chart glad he's doing great in pittsburgh good for him he wasn't gonna fit here we needed offense we got a guy who then went out and scored you know seven or i don't know exactly where he's at goal scoring at this point but i know he's at least i think seven goals so i mean that's something that when we weren't scoring or doing anything offensively he was a guy who was at least exciting to watch and was putting the puck in the net for a while Let's transition uh, to talking about the team that skates in front of the crease to the guys who shuffle around in the crease with our goaltending situation in Anaheim. Oh, nice segue. Had to had to wheel had to yeah, wheel that one for that you. Was good, You're Ju- all professional. We got uh, we had <laughs> Ryan Miller who's been injured since December second. Right, he yeah. he's been out. He had a knee injury, uh, so he went on the IR. Um, then you look at uh, John Gibson goes out on the IR. Chad Johnson goes out on the IR, and you're like, what is happening? Yeah. So, Gibby goes down, they recall Kevin Boyle, Kevin Boyle comes up, um, and then all of a sudden we get the, the lucky the lucky stroke of timing, when Ryan <laughs> Miller gets reactivated off the IR, comes yeah. in, he sits the first game, um, but Kevin Boyle comes in and makes an appearance, he basically, I, I know we mentioned a little bit here on um, in the beginning about how he won the game against Vancouver, and we have plenty of time to get to Gibby, don't, trust me. But uh, what's your overall feel? I know you have a nice goaltending take, and you like to watch those guys between the pipes. Well, how do you feel about Kevin Boyle? He's 26, so he's even older than Gibby. Is this yeah. something we're seeing about him coming up next season? They don't, you know, maybe a backup role if there are opportunities there. Or is he somebody you see as like a long-term AHL goaltender? Um, I mean, at 26, uh, it, it's kind of tough. That that window's somewhat closing. Very rarely do you get past 26 and all of a sudden find your stride. Uh, and become a good goalie. It was a great first game, um, for sure. And, uh, you know, you could just tell by his expression that not only did he get that start, he won it, and, you know, uh, he was just the happiest person in the world. So, uh, Oh, yeah, you know, hands over the head, but he won. He was yeah, like, he was just like, yeah, almost like, oh, my God, that is awesome, like a storybook. Um, he's going to have a little bit of problem fighting through this lineup at this point. Um, there's, uh, also the ducks have, um, uh, uh, a young goalie, really young act, but he's, he's playing, I think in the Swedish elite league right now. Um, um, but he's, um, kind of that next guy uh, that they're eventually going to get to that point. He's still really young. So there's still some time for Boyle to be in there, uh, as the number three guy, Chad Johnson was, you know, picked up kind of on that emergency basis because they didn't really know how Boyle would do. Um, he's had a good season with the goals, but the goals are having great season, almost no matter who's in net or who's in or out. It seems like that team's really kind of clicking anyways. Uh, but he got the chance. He got to go in there through injuries. But I think once we get a goalie back, he will now be the guy who will be sent back down. It's not a guy who's going to stick around for this season. Uh, it does depend what they want to do with 
Chad Johnson moving forward, if Ryan Miller resigns after this season. Get him out. Yeah, Get you know, so, out. oh my god. Yeah, well, Johnson for sure. I, you know, I'm fine with you know going year to year with Ryan Miller because of the way he's still playing. He's still legit, and if the price is right, keep him there because him and Gibby are an awesome one-two combination. Let's, let's get so, to Miller in just a second. I, okay, so, but, so Kevin but, Boyle, I, yeah. he played two games, one one loss, one, but he almost cracked a 9.30 save percentage in the loss against Boston. And I don't think those goals you could really fault him on either. I felt like. Uh-huh. Those were tough, and I think he played a solid two games for Anaheim. Gave him a chance to win. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a great start, and you know, uh, fortunately, he's catching the tune now. <laughs> that we'll actually try at least a little bit in front of him is getting better as it moves along. Um, like I said, uh, you know, I don't think he's bad at all. He's, he's he's played well, but it's a really small sample size too. So I'm hesitant to kind of say, oh, well, everything he's doing is good. The one thing I've noticed on him is he's fairly aggressive. Um, that that works initially when no one knows who you are or your tendencies as a goalie. And these are his first games. It's the first time people have ever gotten a look at him. Um, but what I've noticed is most of his saves tend to be a little bit out there. He just seems to be uh, a little bit past the uh, paint on some plays, which work to his advantage in some points, but eventually teams will know that and they'll outweigh you or they'll make passes and he needs to play a little bit deeper in the crease. That's kind of what has to happen in today's NHL. You'll see Ryan Miller be way back. Gibson is, is a little bit back, but he's a little bit more aggressive, but he's a little bit more athletic. So, uh, Boyle will probably have to try and change that a little bit if he wants to have a, a career in the NHL or, or be a good backup. Because once I get a book on him, it, you can't really get away with that style too much anymore. Oh, yeah. So he's played, what, two and two-thirds uh-huh. game. He came yeah. in He came in for the third period or the second two periods against Philly, right? He put up yep. – he let in two goals there, and then he had a, a shutout against Vancouver and then let in two goals against Boston. 9.55 save percentage, I mean – Talk about small sample size, but it was nice to see him get the chance there, get his first first ever win along with a shutout against Vancouver. I kind of feel like he's going to take over Chad Johnson's role next year. I could see that being a possibility. Um, so in order to get to that, we have to get to Ryan Miller because that's the key. Ryan Miller's the yep. you know the veteran, the Grizzly veteran who's been around the league. He just he just became the all time uh, leader in wins for American goaltenders, passing the Beezer. With yes. 375. Proud um, to be an American. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was excited about. I was like, hell yeah, yeah man. He's only <laughs> he's only like 50 wins away from cracking the top 10 all time, which is, that's a tough go. Um, yeah. He's had to play yeah, some, several, several really more seasons, <laughs> at least three more years with Anaheim and, get, and at least get to crack at like 40 games, which that would be tough. Yeah. So maybe five yeah. years, six years. Um, yeah. He's had a great career. He comes into Anaheim. I think he's played nothing but great hockey for the Ducks. It's good to see him come off that knee injury and have strong have a strong performance. But what is your overall outlook, first as a fan, and then second as Bob Murray? So as a fan, okay. is this somebody you want to see come around next season? I know you just said that. You take it year to year. But is that, is that a fan perspective for you, or is that is that a Bob Murray perspective? You want to keep an aging goaltender, or maybe you want to do the guy a favor and offer him a, a chance to go and compete for a cup at this stage in his career? Yeah, I mean, all those factors, I think, come in there. Ultimately, from a Bob Murray perspective, it comes down to money and length of contract. Um, he doesn't have, you know, I mean, Boyle's making a case for being an up-and-comer to, you know, to get a crack at, you know, being an NHL backup. Uh, that's Miller's role at this point. He's not going really anywhere. If he decides he wants to continue playing, more than likely he'd either be in um, for the Kings or it would be for the Ducks. And the reason for that is he wants to be in Southern California 
where his wife is an actress and working. And so this is where he wants to be. Um, so, uh, you know, if he's willing to continue to play, uh, I would want him. And I think Bob Murray would want him because him and Gibson are just legit. I mean, if Gibson goes out, you know what you have in Ryan Miller and you have the, the winningest American goalie to ever play the game, uh, at this point. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's a nice luxury to have. Uh, Boyle has been nice. It's been good to see. But like you said, the sample size is just too small. Now, if he goes and the goals are great again next year and he's a big reason and his numbers are really good, you start. he, he kind of deserves that next opportunity maybe the season after. At this point, I feel I'd keep Miller if the price is right, but I think Miller's willing to work with it because he, he, there's not too many places he's – uh, anywhere else he's really willing to go so pay him for what he's worth but you know keep it i would say year to year and just kind of see how he progresses and how Boyle progresses all right and so that's a fan perspective too i've got i've got i've got plenty to say on these goaltenders but i want to get yeah, to okay. gibby before i give my my opinion because i have i have this whole master plan that i want you okay, to either, yeah, either... you're kind of leading me down the trail here, so. <laughs> especially right, with goalies because you know how much i love goaltenders oh yeah uh, Let's get to John Gibson. He's, he's still in the IR. Haven't seen him since February 7th against the Ottawa Senators when he got run by his own defenseman on a back check. Thanks, Jacob Megna. Um, <laughs> this was a guy that we've talked to Paul Campbell about. We've talked to Josh Cooper about. We've talked amongst ourselves. And then the Hockey Writers Association have all come out and said he's, he's amazing. He's great. Give him the Vesna midway through the season. Um, he got he got crapped on everywhere for having a piss poor performance in the All Star game, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. Um, but yeah, but he has all that going on, all these these Vesna conversations going on. To the Ducks at this tremendous abysmal skid that he's a part of. Even through that, him having like <laughs> sub nine hundred save percentages, he was still being talked about as a Vesna candidate. If this if he could pull out some numbers after the skid, then he gets hit. Haven't seen him. Um, it's been a few weeks, Jason. Is this something that you would be concerned about long term, or do you really feel like the Ducks are being just extra careful here? Uh, I think I think you know you look at the you know, Megna running into him as hard as he ran into him, and where he hit him, and that's up high in the head. Um, that's concussions. There's always room for fear in that, um, and uh, you just don't know how a concussion is going to react. And you're talking about someone who is likely to take 100-mile-per-hour slap shots off of that head. So um, goalies will go through this. Some of them, it takes longer. It just depends on the grade of it. Now, he's not hit with a puck. He was hit with a full body. So that could also have some issues with your neck muscles. And if you're not able to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, without anything coming out as to what he's got, you're kind of guessing at this point. Uh, but I know they're not going to put him in a situation where he's not healthy enough to play. I don't think they're going to go super cautious and go like, well, he probably could, but why risk it now? Let's just shelf him. I think he wants to play. I think he deserves to play. Uh, and, you know, it's unfortunate that he's got this injury, right, as the team seems to be hopefully turning, uh, you know, a corner at least on the season. Uh, but at this point, yeah, I mean, there's no need to rush him back, in my opinion. Uh, it's, you know, take it easy. Miller's back in there. Boyle has shown he can play as well. I don't know without knowing what he's going through. If it's a concussion, that could be that's day to day, week to week. If it's a neck injury, it's probably back a little bit sooner. Just don't really know until they come out and tell you what he's got. But I don't think they're going to they won't tell you what he's got until they either shelve him 
uh, for the season or he's pretty much ready to return. Then they'll say what it was that was causing it. But he's been out of the whole media spotlight. No one's heard of him. He's a ghost at this point. And that's usually not a good sign when you're not hearing anything about a guy. So let me give you my master plan. Okay. We just talked about all four goaltenders for Anaheim. Uh, most right. importantly, John Gibson. So here's the master plan. Here's how you embrace the tank in Anaheim, okay? okay. You, as soon as Chad Johnson is healthy, take uh, him off IR. He's now your number one starting netminder. You are trying to tank. I get it. Period. You put him in Yeah, you're taking, you're taking the four goalies and you're putting the worst one as your starter. You're Start- slapping Ryan Miller, the no. greatest American goalie I got you right here. <laughs> you trade Ryan Miller to a contender... But you do that little backroom handshake talk where, like, hey, we uh, know that your wife's back. here. Let's yeah. talk about a one-year uh, contract over the summer. But let's let you go try to win a cup right now at the trade deadline. Yeah. We trade you off. You can come back. It's been done. They don't talk about it all the time. But you know that's done. Like, you see yeah, guys get traded and come Detroit back. All the time. It happens. Go win <laughs> yeah. a cup. So give yeah. Miller the Luke chance to win a cup. We like Ryan Miller. Yeah. Um, find whatever goalie you could find in the NHL that is just waiting for any sort of backup role or some sort of place to sit. Park him in the backup role. Send Ke- uh, send Kevin Boyle down to the goals, and then you shelf John Gibson the rest of the season. Let him get healthy. There's no reason to put him back onto this team if we're trying to tank and win or win win the draft lottery per se. You so, could sell that, yeah, because. Because the one thing you can't do is be obvious that you're tanking. And with the trade deadline coming up a week away, uh, actually a week today away, uh, it's uh, it's something that, uh, you know, you don't want to you know, signal to your fans, hey, we're tanking really hard here to get a good draft pick. Uh, but you could sell that as, hey, we got a good offer on Miller. We weren't sure if we were going to re-sign him. He has the opportunity to play just a couple of months with a, a possible cup contender. And, uh, you know, we got draft picks for it. They probably won't get a lot of draft picks for it because I don't think uh, whoever's getting them knows it's pretty much a rental and he's not looking to stay for long. So I don't know what you get, uh, but you could sell it as, hey, we got something and we still kept them next year. And, you know, the team wasn't going to make it. So I can see that I just would. I wouldn't even put Chad Johnson as number one. Whoever that other guy you pick up that no other team wants, put him put him in front of Chad Johnson at this point. But I agree with it. Let Boyle go down there. He's done so well down there. That team looks like they got something to play for at least. Uh, I, I could see that happening. And why not? Right? That's how I would do it. I would just be like, look, let's let's tank. We'll you, make you it can, look. You can make spin it look that nice. really well. That's 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 where he got, uh, and Bob Murray is really kind of good at that. So he he could probably spin that. So. You should give him a call. He probably wants to talk to you. Hey, bro, I haven't idea. seen you at uh, Starbucks lately. I was just hoping yeah. that maybe you and I could chat about your goaltending yeah. situation here. You don't have to give me any details, but uh, yeah, if you have yeah. 30 seconds, I could pitch you my offer. Oh, <laughs> this man. Wouldn't that be funny if that's exactly what happens? Can you imagine? Yeah, they trade him off, <laughs> send Boyle down. Everyone starts freaking out. Half the franchise would freak – fans of the franchise would freak out. Man. Say they're not gonna go. They're not gonna. We're not gonna go to the games. This is BS. Why are you taking me? Want to win? And there are people yeah. like that that think the Ducks should be trying to make the playoffs, which is kind of where I want to go next. They're five points out, which is baffling, horrible. They, that's a, that's, that's unbelievable. Two months. How are you five points out of the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't good before that. It's no. not like they were just killing teams. It was just like. If they were winning, it was barely any, like barely, you know, the smallest margin. So 
it's baffling they're only five points out but uh, a lot of the teams ahead of them are, are still producing so yeah you have to you have to look at the tank option here in order to get in order to hit that tank gas pedal you have to put bad goalies in the net you have to shelf your 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 elite starter in John Gibson so when you're looking at this there's still fans out there Jason do you think it's appropriate to try to make the playoffs I don't think it's Let's put it this way. It's not the best interest of the franchise as far as moving forward. They're going to have to make some decisions about personnel. (laughs) Yeah, but I've been saying, like, I mean, obviously for their future as far as the players, um, they can look to do some really good drafting this year, and they've got an opportunity to do that, which does not come along a lot for the Ducks because they're almost always in the playoffs and generally pretty high up there in the division, division leaders most of the time. So they haven't had an opportunity for a high draft pick in a really long time, which is why you don't see any elite guys coming in behind it, uh, you know, in the, the system, Troy Terry and Max Jones. You're still not talking to Corey Perry or Ryan Getzloff. And there is no elite center in the system coming up after Getzloff leaves. So um, the Ducks kind of have a good farm system, but not an elite one or one that, you know, that there's guys going to come in that are really going to be that uh, that guy that you want. And they have a chance to maybe possibly get that. I don't like teams that do that, however. Even though I love the Ducks and I think they could really benefit, I don't like watching teams tank. I don't like them half-assing it. And why would people go and pay money if you were purposely or obviously trying to tank? It's like, well, then, uh, you know, why do I need to show up this season? You guys aren't. And I can get that mentality, and I I like that mentality a little bit more than just going, yeah, we're tanking. I'm going to go spend my money to watch them tank. It's just it's not worth it uh, for me. That being said, too, I think Bob Murray wants to know what he's got and what he wants to move. He doesn't trade a lot at the trade deadline anyways uh, under normal circumstances. He's more of a offseason guy. And if he wants to see how everyone's doing, he's got one more week. And then what? He's just going to try and tank the team after the trade deadline. That's still another month or so of uh, hockey to play. And at that point, everyone's on a bad team. And it's tough to really evaluate what you got at that point. So, it's tough. I don't think they're really going to tank. Um, you know, you can be disappointed about that or not. I'm oh, I not. I'd rather. I know you are, and and I'm, I'm, I could I could see both sides of it, but just the fan in me would never want to see the Ducks purposely play bad or not play up to their potential. We already saw that most of this season. I'm tired of it. I'm ready. I'm ready for something to go. Hey, see, told you we're not that bad. You've been spoiled for with yeah. with, with almost a full decade me. of good hockey. Me, the whole You've been the, every Ducks fan, Ducks all fan Ducks fans spoiled. have been spoiled, <laughs> except in the playoffs. <laughs> You've had many playoff disappointments since the yeah. Cup. You know the all the all the outs all the uh, the outings against teams that bounced us in the first round, um, yeah. or in seven games under Brucey, or yeah. being swept under Carlisle, uh, except for the one time we went to the conference finals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think he had anything to do with it, but yeah. Um, it's time to come out and say, look, we. I love what Henry and Henry and Susan Samueli did by coming out and giving some sort of direction on, on what they do. They trust Bob Murray. Um, you know, they say they understand that the, that things need to change. They wanted they want to do whatever they can for their fans and the team. So if I'm Bob Murray, I'm looking at this. We can't five points out. 
what benefit does it make, other than monetarily, of me making the playoffs, getting this team to the playoffs? There's none. There's no good benefit. You have to get into that top ten and draft picks. You have to find a way to do that. Your team has already destroyed itself over the last 59 games. I don't really see an advantage. If they came out and somehow spun it to where they told the fans, look, we're not going to be good the rest of this year. And hell, we might not even be great next year. We're going to be way more competitive than we were this year. But we're not going to be great next year. We're shooting for that third season where we're able to rebuild this franchise really quickly and then come around and be competitive for you in year three. You have a problem with that after all the success they've given you the last eight years? The only problem I have with that statement is, uh, you know, and I, I could be in the minority on this one, I don't even think it'll take – I think next year – will be better this year was a fluke and this was a team and a, a new style with a coach that couldn't handle it or couldn't figure out how to do it and was kind of stuck in his ways and didn't want to change it and i feel that's been the biggest holding this team back you know or the biggest thing that's been holding this team back this team on paper still has talent should still be able to compete yeah they need some faster younger pieces but that's your steel or that's your terry that's your jones Cautious taking the next step. It's been a bad year for Raquel, but he's still getting chances. Uh, Perry looks, you know, decent enough in his return that I think he can also still be a factor. And Getzloff still can do Getzloff things. I think this team is going to get is going to be another step better next year and quicker and younger. And I think that's something that can actually turn into a good season. So I don't think you necessarily have to have a bad end to the season i think sometimes if you do it purposely bad that can be a bad setup for the next season it's just it, it can be that mentality of hey we're gonna lose you know and i don't know who wants to play for an organization that's willing to openly tank that bad kids it just I not vets so. yeah you have to, you have to go into the right direction i get it it could go it could backfire i, I still think it's good to tank yeah. this year and try to get what you can before we get to the deadline uh, though uh, let's put it this way i won't be sad either way Okay, as long as you won't be sad, that's all I care about. (laughs) So before we get to the deadline talk, you mentioned Corey Perry. I had actually forgot that he was even playing hockey again, apparently, in my notes, because I didn't even write him down. Yeah, you didn't put anything down. I noticed that, too, but I was like, eh, we have something else to talk about. (laughs) We have other stuff to talk about. How did you feel about Corey Perry's Perry's (laughs) return? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, in my opinion, it's a a small sample size. Uh, First few games, you can see he was kind of feeling out that knee. Apparently, that thing has been bugging him. Since he came into the league is what he was talking about, where it just uh, has progressively gotten worse and finally blew out on him in pre-season warm-ups uh, of all things. And so he, he was a little tentative kind of getting back into it. Um, but I've been pleasantly surprised. I was ready to just jump on him and crap on him, you know, if he did bad. But he's going to the front of the net. He's getting chances. He's not afraid to mix it up. He's, he's getting back there. He finally gets a goal. He gets an assist, two points. Is the team starting to play better? Uh, but he doesn't look out of place, and he doesn't look like he's lost a step. He he looks as good as he was the season before, if not maybe a little bit better. He's never going to be the the you know younger Corey Perry that was an elite scorer. I just don't want him to hurt the team like I felt maybe he was doing last season. You know, be more of a detriment than a real helpful uh, piece to the puzzle. And I feel like he is being more helpful and has worked out pretty well with Raquel and gets off that line was looking great that last game. All lines were, but they were also very good. Interesting to note about Corey Perry this season. So he's played how many games? Eight games. He's played eight, eight so yeah. far. His first game was uh, February 2nd against Winnipeg. Um, last night against <laughs> Washington, 
was where he got his first multi-point game, scored his first goal of the season. He had an assist prior in Montreal, which I didn't even think about when I was doing the postgame no. last night with you. I thought it was his first two points. Yeah, I thought he had gotten an assist somewhere in there. So he, but... he had an assist against Montreal, but it was his lowest ice time he's had of all eight games. But he had the most shots that game for himself and then the most points. Just interesting mm. to me. I get one of those was a power play goal, so you can look mm-hmm. at that's not five on five. But only playing 14 minutes for Corey Perry rather than the 20, 16 to 20 he was playing prior. Just interesting to note there. His best game was at the shorter time. I wonder I wonder if that's something they look to do. Maybe not maybe not put so much pressure on the guy to be that top line player and, and knock his minutes down a little bit. Uh yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. Uh, if anything, I don't think it's uh, something that you can look at and go like, well, that's what they should do. Then. Right. I think uh, I think that game too. Uh, once the third period started going, that team was. I'd be interested to see how many minutes he played in the first and second compared to the third, because at that point the Ducks were kind of killing it, and mm-hmm. at that point you really have to keep putting them out there. Why not put out, you know, the fourth and third line? Which once again, it seems like this this new coaching team i guess you could say uh seems to be more willing to to put out um you know max jones or uh you know on a penalty kill or something like that and um you know it might be just something where there wasn't a big need to have to try and add him in there because he's really there to try and score goals or you know be agitate you know an agitator and there was really no call for it once we went up four two and that was you know halfway through the third so yeah, keep the old guy off the ice when you don't need him on there, right? <laughs> well, he's not, no need to score a goal. No need for him to go stick his nose in you know, people's faces and, and look for problems. So so looking ahead really quickly, let's wrap the show with some uh, some trade talk. Um, mm-hmm. Eric Stevens put out a funny tweet, and we've all been talking about it for weeks now. But he was talking about Jacob Silverberg. Two goals last night, three in his last four games, leads the Ducks with 15 and is most likely hitting 20-plus this season. So Eric Stevens says, trade or sign, trade or sign. Trade or sign, trade or sign. <laughs> what do you do at this point? Bob Murray's come out and said that he wants to keep Jacob Silverberg if he can. Jacob Silverberg comes out and does the whole media thing, the nice Sweden thing, and says uh, he doesn't want to go anywhere. He's good He's good with staying in Anaheim, <laughs> yeah. which I believe. But yeah. is, it, is it time yeah. to, to, uh, to kind of say goodbye at this point at his age and the amount of money he's probably going to command? My head says yes. My heart says no. Oh, man. Um, I I would like to have a story as old as time on the team. I know, right? You know, (laughs) you just don't get good love stories anymore. Uh, But uh, he is awfully pretty. But the the one thing I would think is that uh, you know we've just been waiting for Silverberg to be that constant threat to score goals. He is, you know, pleasant surprises. He's really good, a two way defenseman uh, or defenseman, uh, you know, a two way forward. Uh, But you've always got him as a guy who's going to put up close to what you would hope Bobby Ryan would maybe, you know, not quite at that level, but once again, Bobby Ryan really hasn't been, he's been in the same boat. He's never really hit what looked like his potential. So you see glimpses of Silverberg and that's where you kind of get that hope, you know, or the feels that maybe he'll finally kind of do it, but he is 28 at this point. He's making, you know, you know, three and a half million or something like that. Uh, I mean, he's going to be looking for, you know, you can start at 5 million. I think Steven said this, you can start at 5 million and start looking up and you probably should look up. So he's looking closer to like 6 million probably for his production at his age. It'd be rough uh, to go ahead and do that, um, especially with some of the younger wingers that we're going to have kind of coming up. 
and with uh, Bob Murray saying that he wants to get younger and faster. So I don't know if it's a show or if he's looking for, you know, Bob Murray's looking for a hometown discount. They can sign him for much less, you know, I would say less than $5 million. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, but, I mean, that's that's going to be a tall order because this contract is Silverberg's payday. Uh, and right now his value is kind of high. So my head says with him being hot now, a week before the trade deadline, and if people are looking for a winger, especially – this always happens. You look for the, the very first big trade that's going to happen right around the trade deadline. Once that happens, all the other teams see – that team that they're competing against, especially if they're in the same division, and they go, all right, we gotta, we gotta match that. You know, who can we get? Who's got offensive upside and could be, you know, a good two-way forward? That's Jacob Silverberg, and you know, you can trade him. So the Ducks will probably ask for a King's ransom on it. Um, but when you can trade Brian Boyle for a second-round pick, it's not impossible to imagine that you can get a late first-round pick for Silverberg. And in that case, that can make more sense for the Ducks because even if they don't finish really high in draft picks and they're able to get two first rounds they can maybe flop that for a higher draft pick in the first round or some sort of combination i'd be okay with that that's all I, that's kind of my feelings on it too he's hot right now let's not i i, I don't want to sign him i'll just get that out there i don't want to sign him. he's he's 28 these, almost 29 under five under five four no 4. he's gonna want like six <laughs> years he's gonna want max not max term but he's gonna want a lot of term on that contract and i feel like that's a problem if you're anaheim and it's you can't keep money like that on the books and he's probably worth more um somewhere else i feel like he's going to do better somewhere else and and the smarter point at this in his career for you know if i'm jacob sore i'm looking at this team and seeing a rebuild happening well i don't want to sign long term for low money if i'm gonna you're gonna make me stay here man you better pay me so i think his i think his services would be better used elsewhere and they're actually able to get a return because he's especially because he's hot right now um racking up goals he leaves a team in goals isn't that sad? He leaves a team in goals of fifteen. It's like, <laughs> it's like I think yeah. it's time to move on from Jacob Silverberg. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to check it. I think Brian Boyle might actually have more goals than Silverberg, so <laughs> may not be able to get a first round for him. So, if, if you think Jacob Silverberg is going to be able to get that type of pricing, you're talking first round draft pick, maybe a, a second tier or third tier prospect, maybe a couple draft picks. Who knows? At least a first round draft pick if. If Boyle can get that. What about a guy like Cam Fowler? He's an interesting one because he's been talked about as being somebody that's going to get traded off this team. He was rumored to go to Toronto now, I don't know, for like the last two or three years. Same with Detroit. <laughs> also Everyone's one. rumored to go to Toronto, by the way. By Toronto, the way. yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but he was, he was supposed to be part of the deal for James Van Riemsdyk that never came to fruition here. Um, yeah. Then you were saying like the whole connection back to Detroit with Cam being from Michigan's another one. Um he hasn't had a good season, but his name carries a lot of value and weight. I know we've talked about it before, but do you see that somebody that's still on on a uh, trade list here for for Murray? Yeah, I mean, there's value there. Uh, he's he's a little bit harder to move, uh, mostly because he can only be moved to four teams. He can provide those four teams, but he could really kind of screw over <laughs> Bob Murray if he wanted to and say, well, trade me to um, Buffalo. Yeah, the teams that really wouldn't want him or take on a salary. Um, so, I mean, at, at that point, he's he's almost a no-move 
Or he's like he's like L.A., San Jose, Vegas, Calgary. Yeah, you all pick. the teams that yeah within the division. <laughs> so I mean, he he kind of holds most of the cards in, in that respect. It's almost if he wants to move, what teams would he like to go to? That sort of deal. So he he'd be a little bit tougher for Murray to move. Now, if he didn't have that, then yes, there's always. Um, um, you know, um, perceived value for him. Yeah, it's had an off season. A lot of his underlying numbers, at least from a defensive side of things, he's really hard to pair with. It doesn't seem like there's many people that click with him too often that stick around or do it for a really extended period of time. But he is a really good skater when he decides he wants to do that, and um, he can provide some offense. And so teams are are always looking for a defenseman to do that. So he still has some value. I just think his contract makes him almost unmovable if he doesn't want to go. So Caffelli would have to want to leave, and I don't think he particularly wants to. He's still young enough. That core of the four defensemen, if you throw in, you know, Montour, uh, 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 Lindholm, and uh, Manson together. All those guys still make up a, a decent four defense, you know, defensive core that can move the puck and provide some sort of offense or some sort of intangibles. He's the skater of the group uh, with some offensive upside. I think Montour's the next one. Manson's the hitter, and Lynn Holmes the all-around best defenseman on the team. So there's a place for him in Anaheim, um, but it's going to be hard for him to want to, you know, it's going to be hard for him or uh, Murray to move him. Uh, it had to be really perfect fit. All around. That would be my opinion, too. I, I would like to see him move just because I know he could fetch a hefty ransom back because he's he is very valuable. Uh, and just like this one off season that he's going through right now is tough to gauge his overall value. I think uh, he's, he was, he's really good at moving the puck out of, out of uh, your defensive zone. He's really good at transitioning. He's a great skater. He's had many uh, defensive hiccups this season. But, but uh, if you X out this season, because you could pretty much – just crap over any Ducks player this year on the roster and say <laughs> this this year has been bad, except for John Gibson yeah. for the most part. Yeah. I think he's movable if he agrees to go, and I think maybe going to a contender might make him think about it, but I still yeah. think that the easiest piece to move and one of high value as well, not that I want to personally move, mm-hmm. but there has been talks of Brandon Montour being on the radar and that's a very interesting one. He's a right-hand shot defenseman. Everyone always looks for the right-hand shot defenseman. Mm-hmm. He's a good two-way defender. He can skate well. He's got great mobility. He has that offensive upside. I still think he can run a power play. How do you feel about Brandon Montour here? Because he's on that short-term contract, and there's potential where he could cost you big-time Cam Fowler money in the next deal. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, that's a, a guy, I mean, even higher that I think his ceiling could go higher. He, he's showing me he's got more of a potential offensive upside than even Cam Fowler. Uh, Cam Fowler is a better skater, but porous on defense, uh, and that's he's never been a great defender. Montour uh, provides a little bit of that spark and that speed, too. So he's an exciting player to watch, and he's right-handed, too. So, um I don't want to see losing that uh, player. Um, I'd much rather see someone who provides a little bit less to the Ducks uh, that became kind of glaring this season, which was Manson. Uh, I don't like losing a guy who can hit like Manson, unfortunately, but if I had to choose between all four of them, i choose Fowler, but Fowler more likely can't go because of the contract that he signed, so that only really leaves the other uh, three. You're not trading Lynn home for anything. 
and uh, I'd rather lose Manson than a Montour because I think Montour can still rack up some points and be a good offensive threat and a, and a good outlet passer as well. I mean, he's he he is great on offense uh, and facilitating or causing uh, the play. Uh, moving forward uh, out of the defensive zone. Boy, I stumbled through trying to explain that. <laughs> I was like, man. <laughs> I, did it yeah, I, saw, I, I felt the path you were going on, though, made sense. Yeah, so. yeah. I think everyone understood the idea of what I was trying to say. but uh, like, Trade amazing. Manson on that side before you <laughs> trade Brandon Montour, which I, I, I can agree with that. Just just because if even if you, if you get rid of Manson's cap hit, which is four mil, Montour is probably going to take six or seven mil on his next deal with term. You know, he's going to get yeah. paid. And uh, it just makes a lot of sense to move that off. Although I think Montour, just his age and his ability is going to get you a lot more. But I think it's somebody – you can't just get rid of all your assets. you got to keep the young – he's a young asset. You want to keep guys that are young and good. So I feel like keeping Brandon Montour is probably the better thing to do. And if you're going to trade a defender, you kind of have to either trade Manson or Fowler. And if looking at either one of those, I'm trading Fowler. Yeah, trying to, but I, I think his contract pretty much it might as well have been a no trade clause. So yeah, a fourteen. Like I wonder how that comes around. Like where does that number? How does that number get to that? Your negotiation. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It's like uh, uh, Murray said. You know, I, I never said I would uh, give a you know no movement clause again. I'm done with doing that. But let's just say so I don't have to go back on my word. Get four teams. Just four. What an arbitrary <laughs> number. Yeah, <I> know. <laughs> four yeah, teams. It's, it's an odd one. Like I said, because once it's only four. If he doesn't want to go, he can just pick the four crappiest teams or the four teams closest to the salary cap mm-hmm. and just go, yeah, I want those four. And they're like, well, we can't take them unless you got to hold a whole bunch of his salary. Yeah, the closest two would. teams to the cap are the Ducks and the Red Wings. Hilarious. Yeah. So I guess he's yeah, not man. going to the Red Wings. <laughs> so that's it yeah. for us, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the third episode of the Pucks for the Podcast. Jason and I and Eddie, who uh, is not on the show today, uh, we do a post-game show for Forever Mighty Post-Game, so check us out in between these podcasts if you want to catch more uh, of your Ducks news and updates. We do one after every Ducks game. But uh, if you're looking for articles, any sort of writing on the Ducks, PucksForFeather.com is where you want to go for anything that, to get you through the week with your weekly reading on Anaheim. So go to PucksForFeather.com and check those out. Um, but we'll be back again. There's a trade deadline coming up, so we're looking at doing a podcast either the day after or the day before. We're trying to figure out the best day to do that. But it should be an exciting day in Anaheim one way or another, either exciting and we made some moves or exciting in the fact that uh, we get to complain about Bob Murray not doing it yet again. <laughs> Which is, yeah, well, this is what he always does. That's his MO, so I, I wouldn't... Uh... Wouldn't see it. The only one I keep an eye on is just what he wants to do with Silverberg. If he can't, if he can't sign him, he's not going to let him walk. So, of course, not. yeah, he's got to do something. So we'll see something happen, but who knows the extent? But thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great night. Bye, guys.